millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Enjoy! Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. But that's the nature of the game, guys. That's the nature of the music journalism game. I'm here to tell you all about it. On this episode <laughs> of No Encore. Oh. <laughs> Light him up, light him up, light him up. Are we good? Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 182 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm joined by Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello. Dahio Droni. Hello, how are you now? For another week about music. I'm going to talk about Electric Picnic and my experience of being there. I'm going to talk about the brand new Tool album and a little bit about Lana Del Rey's record as well, which uh, everyone's just fucking raving about. And I guess some news and some new songs as well. It's a music the podcast. Use. The usual. Let's just get straight to it, shall we? Yeah, That's you're back right. I'm back. Picnic. You're back. <laughs> yes, Electric Picnic 2019 has been and gone, and so has my soul. Uh, I've actually <laughs> wow. taken I've actually taken some notes this time, guys. <laughs> so before I get into them, uh, let's um, any questions? Um, <laughs> I've many many questions, but I feel we need to get into the particulars. Was uh, the, fir- the first like I presumed that the weather would have been terrible, but was it actually that bad? No, it's fine. It actually, turned out to it be was a nice weekend, overcast kind of, and yeah. a bit sunny. Okay, there was very little rain. There was some overnight rain on the Friday. Uh, and I managed to avoid that because I was yeah. off-site in a B&B. Well, it also yeah. sounds like you were being pretty negative about it, so what was the most positive thing yeah. that happened? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I've got a winners and losers section written down here. So, hey, <laughs> this I, is the thing. Why are we asking yeah, questions we asking when he's got <laughs> sections? I'll just... <laughs> sorry, can I... Like, I never take notes. So Come on, section us, Dave. I never take notes, listener. I'm just that we good. We stand a sectioner. Uh, <laughs> we have to stand. <laughs> Section <Okay>. me, daddy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> One more time, please, Greg. <laughs> Section me, daddy. 
It's just too much is the first <laughs> takeaway point I have down here. The, the capacity of the festival is 60,000 people and yes. they're looking to increase it. Supposedly 57,000 of that number was present at the main stage on Friday for Billie Eilish, which I will get to. There's simply too much happening at all times. And I want to preface all of what I'm about to say by saying it's very, very difficult to not sound like an old man who a cloud here for the remainder of what I'm going to say. But this was my experience. This is my seventh electric picnic. This is your truth. This is my truth. We have to stand. <laughs> you might argue in favour of that, of the, of, of the just the maelstrom, you know? I mean, like, you know, I paid a few hundred quid for my ticket and more on top of that for travel purposes and hashtag festival looks or what the fuck ever. And bars and food stalls are basically charging Scandinavian prices for basic enough food and drink options. So, you know, I want it all. Maybe you want excess and occasional overwhelming chaos. I personally do not. And I think that it affects everything. I really like, especially the other acts. I mean, you have a lot of half empty tents, sometimes barely even a third full. Yeah. Uh, clashes. James Blake was like. This is the question of how it all shakes out, yeah. Okay, look, clashes are like a natural trade of festivals, and artists may well be able to factor them into a low turnout here and there, and I guess such occasions do turn into popularity contests, and quite a few people aren't even there for the music, of course, they're just there to go. Uh, But I do wonder, sometimes, what's in it for some uh, like of the artists, apart from a decent payday and the opportunity to treat yourself like something of a friendly match or a wrestling house show, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to, you know, go too hard. Like, is is the trade-off enough? I can take my foot off the gas, and I'll be on a plane out of here in an hour or two, but my audience are sparse and not all that interested unless they specifically are and they're there to see just me. Maybe that isn't a thing, but it felt like it was to me throughout the fucking weekend. Like, and fine, that's the nature of a festival. You know, that's that's what it is. Everyone knows what they're getting into. Uh, I guess I felt a lot of oddly kind of passive negatives about Picnic this time. <laughs> passive negatives? Well, uh, these are not active just negatives. More like, just more like defeated, I suppose. I mean, the sense that it really is oxygen now, only bigger, is there. It's With pal- a worse lineup, I would say, in my it's humble palpable. opinion. Well, I mean, when like, you look at some of those latter-day oxygen lineups, they were really, like, trying do you know what I mean? They right yeah, until the are, end. Are those lineups only that way because they the acts? Well, of course, yeah. It may, that's a point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're looking at it with nostalgia glasses. Yeah, exactly. Baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Like, I mean, like, there was also, and again, this is an extremely office of public works point I'm about to make here, but I'm going to make it anyway. There was a bizarre, visible lack of security and stewards, and you know they were there for sure, but it did feel less populated in that regard. And during Billy Eilish, it was a legitimate problem. But so there was trouble. Is that what you're saying? A little bit, yeah. Again, I'll get to. It. I mean, like, overall, it's just too big. It's too sprawling. Well, well, yeah. Well, this is the point, isn't it? Because I think after a certain number of people. There's only so many really hardcore music fans in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So after you go past a certain capacity, the people that are now filling up that place are just like, you know, day trippers, essentially. So it becomes a thing of like, yes, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people, there's a lot going on, so it should evenly disperse. But no, it just becomes a thing where loads of people aren't being seen. And then the main acts are just crushed with awfulness yeah the balance yeah. the balance is definitely off I mean like I said just too many people and like, many of whom are out of their fucking mind at like 6 o'clock in the afternoon or even rather smashing into you with love for music no no no, no, no. dude barreling into you yeah. falling over themselves behaving like fucking animals and yes I do sound like a narc and I do sound old and jaded festival wise and you were reporting people <laughs> yeah it was like Stephen Ray and Michael Collins with my notebook it's true where is that security no, 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 listen like it's true I am too old and jaded for picnic but I also don't recall going to my first festival which is auctioned 2008 for the record which did have a great lineup uh, and choosing to behave like a prick to the people I didn't do that you know like you can lose yourself you can get hammered you can do drugs I've done all those things you know festivals like that's what they're there for 
and still not make strangers feel uncomfortable. I don't think basic courtesy is too much to ask for, even when you're fucking trashed and Johnny Barrel is belting out your favorite fucking Razor Light song. So let's get to Billie Eilish. As alluded to before, I felt genuinely uncomfortable. I was in the middle. So I went to see David Keenan, right? Actually, I should probably get to that first. I went to see David Keenan, the yeah. dark poet, uh, before uh, Billie Eilish. He was on the main stage. And the venue, the, the main stage kind of uh, fucking promenade, was not that busy. Like, it was, like, a fair amount of people, you know, 6.45 when he finished on the Friday. And I was like, Phew. I was like, have they fucked it? I was like, is this really going to fill up in time for Billy Eilish in, like, the next 40 minutes? Really? Is it? And I went off to, like, the media area, came back, and, oh, my God, it did. Like, everyone clearly just emerged from their fucking tent, like, some kind of weird zombie situation. Because Was it, was it bigger? Did it feel bigger than, say, Dua Lipa the year before? Well, Melvin Ben, the festival director, said that she broke the record, yeah, that there was 57,000 people, and it did feel that way. So I'm standing in the front middle, and she comes out, and everyone's going fucking apeshit, and it's, like, half seven, still bright. Uh, she starts playing bad guy. Everyone's having a good time. And I'm enjoying it. I'm like, this is cool. There's a fucking... Sound of the summer. <laughs> huge amount of energy. Everyone's having a great time. Chorus kicks in. And I'm like, this is pretty great. And I'm kind of having a bit of a bop. And then some older woman behind me uh, says to me, uh, oh, you're, you're swaying and you're moving about and you're, you're bumping into me. And before I could even acknowledge this, she puts her fucking hands on me and shoves me. What? And I literally turned around and I went, get your fucking hands off me. I was just like, what are you doing? And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just move then. Was she like hammered or was she just... Nope. And I also, I, I, I was thinking like, it's going to get a lot worse than me. <laughs> you don't know what you're in yeah, front yeah, yeah. of you. Okay. So I moved forward a bit, right? And then a woman kind of close to my age is like looking like she's about to get a taxi out of the coppers at fucking four in the morning. She is just stumbling everywhere, including into me repeatedly. This is Friday. Friday. Pretty early. Day one. Second act I'm fucking seeing. So she keeps doing the stumble into me, the shoulder, and I keep moving. And then she does it again and again and again. And I just turned to her and I went, would you relax? And then she looked at me like I was just like the devil. And then at one stage, fell into me. And I was like, that's my cue to leave. This is during the second track. I was like, I have to get out of here now. This is this is going to get worse and worse. This is horrible. I saw one steward walk in, a young lad in a fucking oversized jacket looking like he was terrified. I was like, this has not been planned for. So I moved back. And getting back was almost fucking impossible. There was three... There was two lanes of people coming this way, like, towards me. One trying to get out. Another one coming this way. And during this, some girl grabbed me by the ears because I got, like, plugs. Mm-hmm. And, like, started, like, shaking them. And I literally batted her hand away. And I was, get your fucking hands off me. Her boyfriend looked at me like he was going to fucking punch me. And I was like, what's happening? What's oh happening? God. And I'm it's seeing horrific. all these fucking zombified 17-year-olds with bucket hats looking like they're out of their fucking minds just stumble and fall everywhere. And I was like, stumble and fall. Razor We'll get to that. That was Sunday. Uh, and I'm just like, this sucks. I'm like, this fucking sucks. So, do you think that was like, so is it a crowd control issue, or is I it? I think a, so. Yeah. Or, or is it? Is it like when you go to Electric Picnic now? What are you going for? Are you going for music? Or are you going for something it's else? The event. Of I think it's both, event. really. I mean, like, I, like, listen. I mean, like, I can't, I can't, in all good conscience, stand here and accuse the festival of not having enough security because I wasn't covering every fucking square blade of grass. And I was talking to other people, like Nadina Regan, who was over in a different corner, and she was like, "It was fine where I was." So I can't stand here and say they fucked up, but it felt to me like that that it was very underserved and that people were just losing their fucking shit. But there's, obviously- there's obviously a market for this type of festival, which is, as most people have been alluding it to, is Oxygen 2.0. There's obviously like a market for that. Like, I mean, I saw they put up the tickets like a week later and like people were already foaming yeah. at the mouth to get another ticket. Oh, yeah, like, of course, some, yeah. People yeah. are enjoying themselves. They're having a good time, but it just seems very... It just seems like a very, very different thing than what we are used to seeing with electric. It's also right? like it's just like seeing like you know coppers lads like just like having their fucking fratellis bullshit moment. It's very auction, but auction time is like three, I think, and like 
it's not me being like, oh, I'm so much better than this. It's me being like, I don't like this. I don't like yeah. seeing all this fucking animalistic do, do you think it's, shit it's in, in front a, of me at seven yeah. o'clock on a Friday. Is is it in a difficult it's middle Arthur's level day, man. right now where like <laughs> Paddy's day? So the the fact that like we see like Billy Eilish who played at what time? Half seven on the Friday. Half seven on the Friday, like. Should technically has Electric Picnic changed so much now that it should be Billy Eilish should be headlining? Well, she should have been the headliner night. for sure, but it must be a scheduling thing. Where like, because like, if you recall, I went over to see Billy Eilish in March, I think it was in London yeah. in a much smaller venue, and I'm glad I got to see her there because I couldn't enjoy this. I left before she was over. I went to Body and Soul. I was like, get the fuck out of here. This sucks. Um, so I'm glad I got that opportunity. But I was talking to the label at the time, and they were saying she's playing the Electric Arena. That was the plan, like mm. five six months ago. Obviously, she's gotten so much bigger since then. Mm-hmm. It's commanding these gigantic Glastonbury main stage crowds. Of course, they're going to move her. Maybe she had to be out there at a certain time. Charlie XCX was on at seven o'clock the next day. I think artists must dictate some things. And I don't even know if bumping her up the bill solves anything really, because you're all in there together. Like people are there. Do you know what I mean? I guess maybe people stay in the campsite see, for a bit. The, longer. It was just such a rush me, as well. The, the thing for me with Electric Picnic is what what generally happens is as it gets later into the night, slowly people start moving away from the main areas and moving into both the woods and the body and soul area because they're looking yeah. less for the um the the general festival experience and they're looking more for like the party side yeah, of things yeah, yeah. so so as a ca- crowd control issue maybe the problem is is that they seem to be treating and Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish are both examples of this idea where they have a very very major pop act not in as a headliner but in as almost like a kind of like a secondary interest but they've proven twice now that like the most attended things are these like big big pop acts. So maybe Electric Picnic finally just needs to do this like Swap balance around. flip, yeah. where instead of putting big band acts like The Strokes, for instance, as their big main headline acts, if they swap that and have the big pop acts, similar to what Oxygen had, mm-hmm. give the big pop acts at the end of the night, and then have more of the interesting stuff and. Sp- like they just basically yeah. f- flip the idea where it's like, oh, this is a rock festival with a bit of pop acts. If it flips and becomes what it just seems like it is now, which is a pop festival with like rock acts, yeah, like that's how it should flip. Like, but it's not really overall in terms of the makeup of the lineup. It's that weird thing where it's not fully giving over to the oxygenness mm. of it, right? It's it's still trying to be a bit boutiquey in terms of its selection of acts and its structuring, isn't it? Well, it's, it's just, like they, they seem to be progressively moving away from it. Mm. Yeah, they do, because it's Festival Republic and it's about bleeding everyone dry and they will continue to expand the capacity as long as they want to. And if money is there to be made, why shouldn't they make the money? But to me, I'm like, and I'm not one of these people, oh, I was there when it was 10,000 people in 2004 because I wasn't. But Jesus Christ, talk about a change. Um, so yeah, But so if you're looking for that, you go somewhere else now. Yeah, yeah, I for mean, sure. There's plenty of options. Look, I was there because I was working there, and I mean, mm-hmm. like, so speaking of, I mean, like, I'm doing my fucking reviews at like 3 a.m. every night in a fucking B and B, which is you know harder work than it sounds, especially when you're like in some kitchen that you're probably not supposed to be in, and a shirtless man walks in, and you're like, hey, how's it going? That happened. But what also happened <laughs> <Johnny> was, <Perel. laughs> so what also happened was, uh, in my review of day one, uh, in reviewing David Keenan, who was terrible i said um he, i said he's an improvement on fellow local poet jinx lennon for sure oh yeah big jinx but what does that even mean bailed in on- and then big jinx lennon uh, who makes horrific music and has been doing it for quite some time 
unfortunately. Uh, he asked me. <laughs> it's a needless dig at Jinx Leonard. It, no, it's, review, oh, it's needed. <laughs> he totally not. He added me on Twitter and added Joe, who I work for, and added David Keenan and added the festival itself. <laughs> so he's highlighting all these people, and he said he quoted my line there and said, "Well, I don't know what you mean, so why not say what you mean or shut the fuck up, pretentious prick?" <laughs> so getting called out by shit Dundalk beat poet Jinx Lennon wasn't what I anticipated. That's what from it the is. Weekend. It's a Dundalk drawhead beef. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, sorry, acting in the festival, like the festival security were going to come up to me in the media tent and tap me on the shoulder and be I, like, I didn't it's realize, time to go, I mate. didn't realise he did that manually. I thought it was like a subtweet of just, a, like, here's the review and everything was tagged in. Do you know what I mean? So, no. Wow, he actually went out of his Let's way. move on to day two. And Julian Casablancas is a fucking legend. And, and his band, The <laughs> That's Strokes. That's what, what Twitter told me. <laughs> his band, The Strokes, yeah. are somehow still incredible. So give me your perspective. The Strokes played at midnight on Saturday yeah. on the main stage they were late uh, by all they accounts, were half yeah. an hour late actually can we talk 1975 yeah they were on before then yeah because I was thinking I mean you saw the 1975 do their own gig recently <laughs> enough yes and you were very quite impressed. captivated yeah, 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 was, yeah and yeah. everyone that seems to see them is just like well actually you know you might be turned around if you're not big on the 1975 because they're ridiculously good live I was expecting you to be like do you know what 1975 might have shaded the strokes didn't pan out that way? No. no. Dahi, okay. remember last year we went to see Kendrick Lamar in the three arena mm-hmm. and it was exceptional. Oh, is this the exact same thing? Remember we saw Kendrick on the main stage of Electric Picnic? Yeah. And, and it, it just was, wasn't. And it was grand. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Wow. It just doesn't translate. It's good. Did and they, he not have his giant treadmill? Uh, they had the treadmill stuff going on. Yeah, and they, they, and they had the treadmill? I think so, because at one stage he was like moving that way, and I was yeah. like, I think he might be. Um, he also said, he goes, we're the best rock band in the world, and we're not even a rock band. What do you think about that? So precious. But what do you think about that? So, so, but I was like, that's cool. I love this. And then he went, oh, I'm actually really awkward. I'm just a naturally awkward Englishman. And I was like, oh, own it, mate. Like, he's doing, he's doing both of it. Then he did, they did the Greta Thunberg climate so change song. Uh, towards the end of it, where literally they just played the entire five-minute song of her being like, we have to get out there and do good things. And he turns his back to the crowd while smoking a cigarette and looking at the words on the screen because it's all very profound. <laughs> As people throw plastic cups on the ground. Everyone around me was like, uh, we fucking get it, man. We're going to die, yeah? Class. And then they're all like, this is fucking shit. And then when it ends, everyone's like, yay! <laughs> Pavlovian bullshit. Uh, I enjoyed 1975. thought they were great. They are a main stage act. Like, I, the songs are... I wouldn't expect them not to be. They'd fucking want to be. Like The songs are great. Uh, it looks amazing. It's a whole thing. But again, I was like, give me a fuck arena show and yeah. then yeah so kind of bail back media I got a few points came back to the strokes there's almost no one at the fucking main stage like a few hundred people which of course did build but like yeah. I think by comparison Billy Eilish and Jerry Cinnamon filled the fucking main stage area at like 7 and 6 o'clock respectively Jerry Cinnamon by the way is absolute fucking garbage I don't know how this has happened uh, <laughs> and people are doing people are doing <laughs> people are doing uh, Jerry Cinnamon chants during the 1975 and during the strokes and I'm like would you just go to your fucking tent and pass out please <laughs> what are the chants Jerry Cinnamon, Cinnamon, Jerry Cinnamon. So yeah, that's that. And I'm just like, do you think Casablanca is on the stage? You cunts. Uh, so yeah, essentially, our right, strokes are amazing. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it took me like one song to be like, this is amazing. This sounds amazing. They this, fucking look brilliant. They, they look incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, every song is just fucking gold. Yeah. But do you think Casablanca's got a lot of mixed reviews, Craig? Yeah, I was seeing on Twitter, I think I could have kind of discerned that he had said something about not being contractually obliged to be there. He was like, oh, at this point, I think I'm contractually obliged to ask you guys how you doing or whatever. Oh, well, like, that's just him being He basically like, was just funny. like, he literally was and like, then he said something about ole, 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 which there people was an got ole, ole about. There was an ole, ole chance. He's like, what does ole, ole mean? There was an ole, ole chance. 
that happened and he, and he was like I don't speak festival what is that and yeah Wonderland Nick Valenzi like, was like it means fuck yeah and then they did this horrible like impromptu jig jam where like <laughs> Julian Casablanca started being like oh and I was like this is terrible like oh, what, no. what are you doing and the crowd are like kind of almost turning on at this point but he just kept I in between it. songs he just basically kept saying he's a like, really awkward dude he just basically in between songs just kept saying like yeah you guys having a good time yeah whatever I don't want to fucking be here like he was just like I just flew in two hours ago uh, and once JT goes so uh did you guys go see the 1975 did you and I was just like this is amazing for no reason he's just bodying the 1975 who are probably side of stage like and people were like Next day, people were like, oh, uh, I don't know about that now. I thought he was very rude. And I'm like, it's Julian Casablancas. It's the, the Strokes, shit, like, friend yeah. of the show. I saw, uh, yeah, the show. I saw the Strokes at Oxygen, and it was really boring, and he didn't say anything. I would have taken another half an hour of Julian Casablancas just berating us. Because um, then he just goes, and by the way, here's hard to explain. And I'm like, oh yeah. my god, all of these songs are fucking amazing. Everything They're really on form. They seem to be enjoying it as well. Everything huge well. and brilliant. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought they were absolutely phenomenal exactly what I want a rock and roll band to be yeah. and the people who were giving out about it I'm like Jesus like, what do you want I'm deli- I was delighted for you because you'd had a long day I and did, I was just yeah. like don't worry the strokes will be on it'd be great nah, it was incredible and also like, uh, they were fed a private meal by Derry Clark who was on site he gave them a banquet wow. so they had a good time but yeah okay so I'll finish my review now by giving you the winners and the losers of the weekend okay, ready okay. winners the strokes slash Julian Casablancas <laughs> yeah. Billie Eilish because she fucking drew the biggest crowd and like obviously was the star of the show uh, the clack who are a new Irish band mm, yeah. saw them in Body yeah. and Soul they were excellent really really promising I heard it was good yeah really really good uh, Mitski who uh, played oh, in the Rankin's Woods tent really good line. played in the Rankin's Woods tent on the Sunday Jay Huss was a 30 second tent away and it was just bass throbbing all the way in and at one stage Mitski was like oh it sounds like there's a party going on elsewhere also her whole thing I don't know if any of you guys have seen her live but her whole thing is to be like steely eyed stoic displaying no emotion looking at the crowd until it becomes uncomfortable the whole thing is a performance art thing she even had a fucking table so she's sitting at this table right doing a couple of songs then she gets on the table and starts doing basically like yoga and calisthenics she's writhing atop of it she picks it up one stage and runs at it she basically crucifies herself on the whole thing wow. it's extremely avant-garde and a lot of people were like who the fuck is this <laughs> but she was class the sound wasn't great she was amazing because she's just fucking incredible yeah. it's a hell of a show uh, Let's Eat Grandma I saw them at a very small stage <laughs> uh, in the woods they were fucking brilliant but again doing this kind of NCAD thing where like one stage, like they start lying on the stage, they sit down and just stare at you for a while. Uh, she plays a fucking uh, a, a flute. She plays a fucking saxophone. They unleashed the flutes. The songs Brilliant. are amazing. <laughs> Donnie Darko was incredible. They're stars. Uh, you got to give got to give uh, credit to Wild Youth. They drew a fucking gigantic fucking crowd, like on the Big main pop-up. stage. Yeah, they're, like they're they're the new picture. This they're the new thing. Like you mm-hmm. know. Oh, speaking of picture, this uh, I was even the media area at one stage, <laughs> and I like turn around and I saw the singer and he saw me and I don't think he knows who I am or that I went to see them five times and wrote that article but like we locked eyes for a second and I gave him a big shit-eating grin so there you go keeping that feud going there's no feud because they no. didn't even fucking recognise me is disgusted with me with this review. Uh, can we talk about razor light I'm gonna they're on oh, the list oh, sorry, Dermot yeah. Kennedy main stage before Hozier those are real follow that kind of forms though I am concerned for Dermot's vocal health his voice is definitely starting to like you can feel it he's also cancelled a bunch of gigs here and there so. how was Neil Quinn drummer to the phenomenal stars. played with a giant smile on his face I saw the gig with, with friend of the show Royal Yellow and at the oh. end we had our arms around each other as we screamed the ending to After Rain that was fun uh, Razorlight by virtue of drawing a massive crowd which was quite depressing uh, <laughs> Craig asked me about Razorlight 
Um, do they still have it? Do they still have that magic? Yeah, like so. Obviously, the big song was America, right? That's I so left during America. Yeah, so that was that was. Uh, one what songs did you get? Did you get I a bit of Golden Touch? You got Stumble You got Stumble Fall. Yeah, yeah, the entire set. So they, they played like at one stage, like two songs in. He goes, uh, "This next song is about London Town," and I was like, "No one's here for that. What are you doing?" And he played "Don't Go Back to Dalston." Oh, I love uh, that song. They played Stumble and Fall. Pete <laughs> they played Stumble and Fall, which was great. They played Golden Toy, People Had a Bop. They played Somewhere Else, which, of course, is the best lyrics of all time in it. What were their outfits like? Oh, he's just wearing a leather jacket and tight oh, okay, jeans. Right, like, you know, um, there was a mo- moment where one of his guitarists walked by him, and, Bar- and Burrell was like, no, no, go around me, go around me. It was just like, like don't, ruin the, don't ruin the magic. Uh, he introed America by saying, I normally dedicate this song and say, fuck Donald Trump, but I want to add, oh, I want to add, edgy. I want to add, fuck Boris Johnson. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I got to get out of here. And See, that's what music needs right now and as i was walking away like uh some bloke uh went to his mates that's a tune and i was like oh no and then i, I got a few oh, pa- no. i got <laughs> i got a few oh, paces no. away and then some other guy turns to his mates and goes this is class <laughs> and i was like i was just like and, I hear, oh, and then i took a wrong turn and there was a barrier and i just got to hear nothing on the tv nothing on the right i was like oh jesus christ i was like i have to get out Do of you here reckon it really annoys him that like their biggest song was written by the drummer it's like the one song that andy burroughs wrote for Razorlight, and that's uh, like america <laughs> Probably, that was yeah, the yeah. song Jeez. Uh, finally in the winner's corner i think the production staff were generally saying they made everything very smooth festival republic are definitely in the winner's corner because they're making all that money but i would also put festival Republic <laughs> in the loser's corner for greed um, <laughs> I attended the <laughs> I attended the press conference on on Sunday which was Melvin Ben the festival Melvin Ben the festival director uh, and the press conference basically meant to if you ask me any negative questions I will uh, be really scoldy towards you let's talk about how great the picnic is it has according to him the greatest vibe it's ever had which I would contend is not true and people were like, hey, what about this? What about this? And he was like, why am I getting all these negative questions? It's basically a fucking ego loving for him. And I can say this on the microphone because I don't want to go back next year. So uh, Hozier was a loser, I think, because his set was 90 minutes long. Terrible. I um, heard it was very good. And I also heard that people really, really liked it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I was who there, there really enjoyed it. I was there and I didn't enjoy it. Do I not count? <laughs> <laughs> well, we obviously knew that you weren't going to enjoy it. He opened it. with Shrike. Are you taking the piss? <laughs> Hey everyone, who wants to go asleep? Me. That's who. Starting off slow. I start my start off slow. I don't don't, look. Listen, he was never going to win me over, but Jesus Christ, Van Morrison. I mean, it's great. Van Morrison. Van Morrison is great, but I don't need. I don't need the the 2019 version of Van Morrison. Oh, oh, only highlighted direct provision. He really cares. Uh, Who else? Florence Welsh hectoring us to put our phones away. Uh, People not knowing where leash is. Hold on, you've talked before about putting away your phones at gigs. But this was ridiculous. She was like, you know. Uh, I'm gonna ask you guys to do something crazy. You're not gonna like it. And then she was like, <laughs> "Put your phone away. Live in the moment. And if the person next to you isn't putting the phone away, tap them on the shoulder. No, uh, don't encourage strangers oh, to fucking okay, do yeah, that yeah. shit. That's yeah. awful. Twirling away, bare, good intention. Twirling though. away barefoot with the spirit of Patty Smith. She said to her as She'd well. Been through a lot. She said to her. <laughs> she said to the crowd. She goes, "I, I want to talk about toxic masculinity. There's oh. no toxic masculinity here because if you're all here, it means you almost love women." And I was like, "That's pretty naive, isn't it?" Like, I was like, <laughs> I walk around this crowd. A <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch. Uh, yeah, people not knowing where leash is. I know it's something that we shouldn't really give a fuck about. But Charlie XCX calling it Dublin about 27 heard, times yeah. into her set was genuinely That's distracting. Hilarious. Anyone uh, that gets annoyed by that though, like, come on. It's just it became. So often that it the was like, oh my falling God. apart. Do we really care the people? I'm think just it's saying, Dublin? man. I'm yeah. just saying it's not Dublin. Uh, she brought out an inner set, though. I enjoyed Charlie's set. She brought out uh, Christine from Christine and the Queens. Who, yeah, that's not her real name, which was cool. Yeah. Even though she was, was on the, the set, good. 
It yeah. was the one thing that like if it was I was good. going that 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 would But it was like 40 minutes it was a friendly match. Like it was it was good crack but it was just like yeah cool. I mean like okay. this is this is enjoyable but like yeah every time she was like come on Dublin I was like no. Uh bands like Other Kid and Fan Club they were kind of spat out into the huge electric arena early in the day when they had no chance of filling up in the first place. Uh, and I guess finally in the loser's corner I guess people who don't like having three or four stages screaming and bleeding all over themselves simultaneously because that's the takeaway from Picnic like I say it's just too much I mean if that's what you want yeah. it's it's there for you I was going to say has Jesus. The, was it like was <laughs> it bad does, enough for you as an experience that you're now back on your do you know what festivals I know I went back to them for a bit but as just as a concept I'm done 100% especially Picnic I don't want to go back next year okay. if I'm still working with Joe next year and we're going I'm going to be like just send someone else like seriously I'm done I'm done I didn't enjoy it it's not fun how about Burning Man (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should all go to Burning Man we We should should go go. to Burning Man do you yeah we'll do a podcast in in Burning Man so Burning Man if if if, if I'm correct is basically like the hippy dippy let's get fucked festival is it like yeah you go out to the desert and it's like it's a bartering system as well so you have to like bring stuff that you can share with other people you get everything kind of for free you trade it's um it's is it Nevada it's Nevada yeah yeah it's yeah, out yeah. in the like de- literally out in the desert who plays this it do they get big city. names no like it's not so much a music festival as there's been loads that. of big acts playing okay. but like they don't put up a lineup it's basically like it's more um so there's no currency so you have to um <laughs> yeah, for instance if yeah. you need toilet roll you have to barter it so you have to make good coffee in your coffee maker in what if I want to get like van. a pint or a burger if you want a pint <laughs> you need to free. provide something so you need to but I think you, you, can, you can write of... a piece of prose for somebody maybe David <laughs> you could go you could go and write them a little poem or something that yeah. like, maybe. I think by all accounts you can kind of just go up and get it for free and yeah. be like yeah I'll sort someone else out somewhere you maybe, know, maybe you could write a review of the first out. day of Burning Man and then give it to give somebody it to for everyone. a piece of toilet roll what if I I'm like here's the lineup for the Graham Norton shows People the thing about that, yeah, yeah, yeah Burning Man started as like the kind of hippie dream of just you know we'll have this kind of community like this temporary community we'll all share everything and take drugs and just have incredible hallucinogenic experiences and now it's about ultra ultra rich kind of west coast celebrities and like tech billionaires just going out and like living out their fucking most hedonistic whatever I that was Coachella like, no well, that's kind of the place where you go to, like, just Instagram everything and be seen. But Burning Man is where you go to, like, I don't know, blow up cars in the desert with bazookas. That sounds great. Yeah, it's great if you're a billionaire and you're bored <laughs> to do it. But it's Can kind I barter of, to get a bazooka? It's not quite the hippie dream, Dave. <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, Burning Man has been Festival Republic as well, basically. Essentially. I think I'd like to go. It sounds like a huge amount of effort and I probably never will. But there is an interesting thing about Burning Man, which is yeah, could every you, year... Could you find love in that hopeless place, I wonder? Well, or you might, you but then you might lose it because of all the drugs you're taking. So... <laughs> There's this thing after every Burning Man. There's like a missed connections thing online, yes. which so there's like a missed connections. So basically, uh, if if you met somebody at Burning Man, uh, you could put up this uh, thing on the Reddit afterwards to say like, I'm trying to find this person who I had this incredible moment with. But it basically gives these amazing snapshots of what Burning Man is like. Yeah, and like there's a there's a um, 
a Twitter thread that you can go and find on Twitter, uh, which, which is absolutely amazing. All because the best. Which has an amazing, done... has an amazing gift to start it off with of like this kind of like <laughs> clock man kind of bounce <laughs> back. It's, like, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just so fucking good. So I'm going to read out one of them and then I'm going to give you an extra bit of story as well. So um, we're, we're basically helping people out. So any podcasters who are at Burning Man, um, <laughs> if this is you, please uh, contact us and we can contact the other people as well. Sweet. Um, I'm looking for Michael from San Francisco who was also a virgin, who I met on Thursday night after the cacao ceremony at Olympus on Esplanade next to the crossroads. I had to cut things short because my now ex-boyfriend was beckoning me to leave, but I will never forget our connection and the hugs you gave me upon meeting me and saying goodbye. I just wanted to say thank you and that I hope we cross paths again. So if anybody anybody sees uh, 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 Michael from San Francisco, could you please give them a shout? Cacao's drugs, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to assume everything in this is drugs. So so uh, I had sent this around to a couple of mates because I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, and uh, a friend of the show, Brendan Canty, yes. enjoyed it so much that he set up his own Reddit account <laughs> and wrote his own piece, <laughs> which ended up getting into the thread. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to read... Brendan is on a tear like, gonna, of uh, disinformation he, on the internet. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It. He's fake news and all over the fucking gaff. Avant-garde uh, trolling. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read out Brendan Canty's one, which is obviously fake, but also extremely um, entertaining. Right, go for it. Uh, last Friday night, I was in the Nostril Utopia tent, and I met this South Dakota girl. We both bonded over momentarily losing our sense of smell. She had the most beautiful nose I had ever seen. I never thought I'd fancy somebody based on their nose, but then she walked in with it on her face. As soon as I locked eyes with her nose, I knew it was love at first sight. It was rigidy at parts, with a cute freckle on the upper lateral cartilage cartilage and her com- communellas were the prettiest thing I've ever seen he's obviously looked up all the parts of the nose <laughs> and them out. unfortunately her, her sense of smell came back before me as she smelled a strawberry cart outside and like that she was gone into the night if you're out there my South Dakota nose girl please reach out <laughs> I'd really like to take you out for dinner. There's a really nice bolognese place around the corner from where I live that I think you will love. See, what he's done cleverly there is it's close enough to being yeah, real yeah, yeah, that yeah. people... You know, people <laughs> Jesus Christ. So uh, I love that at no point did you stop him from doing this. You're Absolutely like, not. No. And it got on the thread. Like the person who was compiling them fucking found it and just like threw it down. Incredible. It's great. Okay. Uh, Craig? Let's move on from the fake news to actual news. Uh, sticking with Burning man and flume has been forced to apologize to his mom seems kind of disingenuous to me though because he posted this apology with a photo of himself nibbling um a rounded yellow peach the caption it was a joke sorry mom what he is referring to is this video that emerged of him performing a graphic sex act (laughs) while on stage at burning man festival uh yeah so the initial video was posted on and then swiftly deleted from instagram by his rumored girlfriend i think we can put those rumors <laughs> to bed <laughs> Paige elkington um so yeah during flume set uh, at the nevada festival a sign was held up in the crowd which read does flume even eat ass um and he basically proved that he did what do we think about this kind of malarkey it's burning, man. It sounds like anything goes, this thing, man. Well, he started trending on Twitter following the incident. I think people were kind of taking in the lighthearted spirit spirit in which it was intended. Did she? I, uh, I don't know how she reacted, to be honest. I didn't seek out the video. Right. That's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the kind of thing to get you on a watch list somewhere. Uh, well, good to know the Burning it, Man. It would, it would make it way worse if she was actually at Burning Man. 
Like it doesn't actually say if she was there or not. Oh, hang on. I was... assumed it was happening like on the stage while he was doing his set. It no, wasn't. So like... he he performed the act while being on stage, but was his mother at Burning Man? Is oh, what sorry. I'm I th- yeah, no, yeah. I thought you meant like his. I don't know. Because yeah. if he was if he was doing it in front of his mother, I think that might be like worth apologizing for. Yeah. Different yeah. strokes for different folks, guys. <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, what else we got? Well, it's looking like Forever Twenty One will have to apologize to Ariana Grande um, over this lookalike they've been using uh, in their advertising uh, supportly. So yeah, Ariana is uh, reportedly suing uh, the retailer for using her likeness via a lookalike model uh, to trick fans into believing she had endorsed the brand. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure the lawsuit has been filed this week. Uh, it was basically for misappropriating her name, image, music and likeness after the retailer rolled out a social media campaign featuring a model who resembled her. Um, now this is pretty blatant stuff because the brand themselves have come out and said they had a- actually been in talks with Ariana earlier this year to do this exact campaign. Yeah. And I think they quoted some of her lyrics in some they of did, the posts. Yeah, yeah. It was um, based on her Seven Rings video. Um, so essentially it was all the costumes she used that in that and then kind of silly. quote stuff. It's Forever 21 are in trouble as well, right? They're like, they're not doing oh, incredibly okay. well. Yeah, so they're they're very, very close to filing for bankruptcy. So um, this obviously would not help their, <laughs> their well, cause. Yeah, the New York Times says Ariana is seeking $10 million in damages for false endorsement. Um, and there is laws in states about the right to publicity, which I think covers likeness. It's the kind of stuff that will cover, like stop you being CGI'd once you're right, kind yeah. of dead and all that kind of stuff. Deep fake, correct. And like they've been called out for this stuff before. Like I think Kanye, they've used a likeness of Kanye. They used like Frank Ocean previously. And their statement seems to be like, oh, we're big fans of Ariana. It seems like they're almost apologetic, but they keep doing it. So I'm wondering, does it kind of pay off for them just to do this stuff and keep themselves somehow associated with like music stars? Mm. And they, I don't know. I mean, I guess it is a news story that we're talking about now as well. Yeah, I don't know. In uh, forthcoming no popcorn news, oh, yes. the Fred Durst directed The Fanatic, starring John Travolta, <laughs> which we discussed on the show last week, has not done very well at the US <laughs> box office in its opening weekend. I actually was astonished to learn that it got a theatrical release. It took the, f- a, the figures on this is amazing, though, right? It figures? took a paltry $3,153 <laughs> from a total of 52 <laughs> cinemas. Uh, with final totals yet to be confirmed, so that number could in fact rise. Yeah. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter, the poor showing marks Travolta's fourth box office bomb in a row. Again, I thought this guy was condemned to straight to streaming these days. Uh, so yeah, this in case you missed last week's episode, this is a film in which John Travolta, who may or may not be on the spectrum, which is a very very problematic take on a character, uh, is obsessed with a. Hollywood star uh, played by Devin Sawa who was in Final Destination and of course the Eminem Stan video as the Stan in question Patient Zero for all this horrible Stan things Uh, and he basically fucking kidnaps them and tortures them and it's meant to be really really gross directed by Fred Durst and uh, hasn't done very well that's the music connection (laughs) that Fred Durst directed hasn't done very well with the critics Oh, sorry, sorry. Apparently there's a scene in the movie where, like, Devin Sawa is driving his son around listening to a Limp Bizkit song and was like, this is what I used to listen to back in the day. It's like, Jesus, really? Really? Well, going to clear the road. But, like, you know, enough. forget box office success. Forget, like, critical acclaim. The main thing is that Travolta had a great time. <laughs> so he's quoted as revealing his admiration for Durst, saying, it was maybe my favourite experience I've had. Um, and he hailed Durst as so generous and such an artist. He allowed me to create a character that no one else would allow. <laughs> It's really a wild character, and I felt very free to do that. Well, that two madmen. That in tandem with a uh, U.S. critic Rex Reed, 
uh, describing the film as a cheap and cheesy disaster, uh, it kind of piques my interest because he says, directed by yeah. schlocky hack director Fred Durst, the fanatic is meant to be a scary and touching Valentine to the same festering memory of putrid Hollywood as Quentin Tarantino's latest film. But the only thing worth remembering is Travolta's brave, misguided <laughs> performance. <Misguided>. Ticket sold. <laughs> brave, so misguided. Brave. <laughs> yeah. John Travolta. Give it to me, mate. Uh, also in music and movies, Aladdin producer has said that the backlash against Will Smith's genie was unexpected. What backlash? This film has made like over a fucking billion. This is like a gigantic success, no? I, guess I think so, it's more yeah. like the online Twitter like r- backlash. Well, he looks, I don't know how much that actually counts for nowadays. It, not a lot. Yeah. The box office anyway. Well, enough that he commented. And I suppose it comes back to Robin Williams obviously creating that character initially, which we could maybe look back on and go, was that a bit problematic? <laughs> the character? The genie? Yeah. Was he problematic? Do you have to look back on that? What do you mean? I mean, Robin Williams was famed for doing different colourful accents, and I think he used one in that, right? Wasn't there? Probably. I think there was a discussion around that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. Don't, don't cancel, I haven't don't cancel <laughs> 1992 as Aladdin for me, Craig. It's, it's my favourite Disney. Okay, apologies, but... Um, Your favourite Disney? It's my favourite non-Pixar Disney. My favourite Pixar is Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc? Don't... Uh, uh, what's happening here? Monsters, Toy Story. Inc. No. Yeah, Toy Story. Toy Story. You fucking, like... Monsters, Inc. was good, actually. Typical... <laughs> like I haven't seen the fourth loving. one. Is the, is the fourth one <laughs> cheap response over here? How's the fourth one? I didn't see it. Don't want to see it. Oh, oh, did you not like the third one? You don't like any of them. The third one's good. No, I like all third three one of them. Was but brilliant. All I'm saying is that Monsters Inc. is king of the Pixar universe. Okay, I'll have to come back with that with a bit of a look at the list. Okay. Cars two, great. Yeah, everyone film. loves Cars two. <laughs> the least performing in every capacity. Uh, yeah, the, the trailer for Bad Boys for Life dropped this week. By the way, it looks really bad. Like re- like very bad. Shocker. Very, very bad looking. Um, What's Will Smith doing lately? Like it's I don't know. Making money. He's being a dad. Making money, Craig. Um we'll do one more news story. Go on. Will we? Um, no, should we just fucking No, we won't. On? We'll just go into songs of the week. <laughs> Let's Fuck do it. it. It's Let's a long episode yeah. as it is. Right, I'll go first. This is Francis and the Lights with Kanye West and Bonnie Vera. It's Woo! called Take Me to the Light. Hope you like your 80s kind of pastiche olas. I quite like this one, but I can understand that people are like, Kanye is the weakest thing on it, isn't he? He's barely on it. Yeah, it's got like that 80s synth. It's very... Peter very, Gabriel? Yeah, it's very like Bonnie Vare pastiche Kanye can, West pastiche Can someone give me a breakdown of who Francis and the Lights are? He's a very, very well-connected dude by all accounts. Yeah, he, yeah he's... um, I don't really know, to be quite honest. I think he's like LA-based artist who is just extremely well connected. Okay. He's appeared he's worked with he's worked with them all. Right, he was yeah. <laughs> on Chance's previous album. Um he worked with Kanye and uh Justin Vernon on that friend song two years ago. Oh, right, okay. He only ever seems to catch my attention when he's either featuring or getting his mates to be on songs. I guess he's like a more tasteful synth poppy Khaled <laughs> do you right, know what yeah. I mean yeah, I don't yeah. know how he's connected he's also like I believe his name is like he ch- legally changed his name to Francis Fading Starlight or something like that he's, I'm okay with that yeah that's pretty cool 
Um, but this to me was just like it's a bit throwbacky, but mainly it's very mumble. It's, it's like we're approaching the like mumble trap singularity with this, where it's literally just guide vocals. It's like a parody of Kanye now not trying whatsoever on vocals, <laughs> isn't it? It's like uh, friend of the show Kabina did ask if Francis and Lies is a scam artist based on this song. I believe I didn't even look to see <laughs> what, harsh, what his contention was. I don't know. I found it pleasant, and in the week in the week where I came back from picnic and I'm still not myself, that's all I wanted. Dahi. Uh, the track all I wanted I, was Dahi. The track I picked this week was uh, Grimes uh, featuring I.O. Uh, the track called, is called Violence. So yeah, it's uh, the return of Grimes. Uh, Yay! Yay! There's an album on the way. Um, This track, (laughs) fresh from crushing trade unions with Elon Musk. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a podcast. Killing it with the trade unions. Crushing trade unions Um, with Elon Musk. But this track is fucking class. It's good. It's good single. It's a really good single. It's a good single. I couldn't tell you much about it in terms of it staying in my brain. It's like Kylie Minogue is in a cyberpunk universe. Is how I would describe it. Uh, the hooks, yeah. the actual pop hooks are absolutely class. I think they're really, really good. The uh, the synth kind of turns and everything is exactly what I loved off that Katy Perry vibe. Like the way it's mixed and everything feels like that really powerful um, baby don't go breaking my heart type synths. Uh, kind of like a very strong, like hyper-realistic 80s type thing. Um, I really, really like this track and I think it's one of the best of the year. It's kind of, it's very grimesy. Like it's her going mm-hmm. back to what we'd expect of her. I thought it was really well crafted. I liked it. I don't know if it had any moments that really gripped me. So yeah, I'm probably with Dave in terms of staying power, but yeah, bodes well for the album. I think I preferred We Appreciate Power just because she was challenging herself and I'd like yeah. her to mix it up a bit. But we'll probably get a mix of that anyway when yeah, we yeah. get the record. I, um, I really like how, how kind of just straight down the line this is as well. I mean, it's very, very simple. There's not a is, huge yeah. amount of difference here. Um, I think uh, kind of anybody could sing this track and it would be great, which is kind of an interesting kind of weird thing to put down on pop music. Yeah. But the fact that she's doing it with her high falsetto and with that kind of the way she mixes her voice and stuff, I think makes it very unique compared to what everybody else would use. I mean, jokes aside, she's in a weird position, right, with both her fan base and just general kind yeah. of left-leaning the album music has to fans. Be, the album has to be basically Yeezus. Like, <laughs> it has to be like Art Angels, but even better and weird. Yeah. It has to be fucking... And I'm not sure if she's going to thrive on <laughs> like such a backlash, I guess, in that way. Like yeah. Kanye kind of used to... I guess, yeah, it's mainly it's just let the music that do the talking. That type of stuff Maybe, well, yeah, though, yeah. as well. I think, yeah, but like I like all he kind of says, like the song is very, very good and that will help her. I think ultimately the personality has taken a huge blow and it will it'll be reliant on a really fucking strong record to accompany all yeah. this and kind of be like, oh, well, look, who cares about her personal life? This is great, you know? And wasn't she, didn't she come out and say like the like Art Angels, she was like, that was a huge mistake. It's like a stain mm. in my life. I didn't like it retrospectively. I'm just yeah. like, what? Jesus. 
Really? She, I know artists can at times not be the best judges of their own stuff, but my God, I really liked it. So that doesn't bode well <laughs> for me and my personal taste because I thought it was great. Well, your personal taste has brought us to our final song this yes. week, Craig, an artist that you've basically single-handedly been keeping in the conversation. It's I know. <laughs> I really feel like I'm like... It's Twin Shadow. Twin Shadow, everybody. This, this song is called Crushed. Yeah. I'm crushed. Twin Shadow. Craig, who is he? Uh, Twin Shadow arrived um, at the start of the decade and kind of bowled people over with his first album, Forgot, um, which was kind of lo-fi, indie, but with mixes of that 80s synth stuff that still felt fresh at the time, nine years ago. Um, Really good songwriter. Uh, His follow-up album kind of built on that really well, Confess. People might know him best from being in Grand Theft Auto 5. Like, he was the DJ on Mirror Park oh, Radio. Yeah, like, and his song, Old Love, New Love, was kind of one of the standouts of that great soundtrack. Song, yeah. And then he tried to build on it. Uh, this is Twin Shadow being George Lewis Jr. Um, by kind of going big and major label for Eclipse, his third record, which did precisely nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, it just, it was one of those things that was just like baffled how he hadn't properly caught on as a mainstream star. And then when he tried to go mainstream, I was like, that's not a very good record. Um, and since then he released Care, um, which came out last year, two years ago now, um, which I thought was a return to form. But yeah, Dave, as you say, just like even on indie heads reddit you know 10 comments of people being like yeah this isn't bad we'll see where it goes but (laughs) he's fallen off so much in terms of people actually paying attention bar the likes of me um i think this is a bit of a return to those initial roots of it's more subtle he's not trying hard to like try and put himself over as a miguel or something like that Mm. it's it's quite hypnotic i think there's enough here where I'm like, okay, yeah, he's figuring out what made him so compelling to begin with. So it's not earth chattering, but yeah, I think this is him getting back on course. Yeah, I really liked it. It has a certain kind of weight to it, a certain kind of patience and narrative style that I greatly enjoyed. Yeah. I don't think it's going to propel him into the stratosphere, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not kind of on the same same level. I think it's a really enjoyable track, but it's not going to blow him up or anything. Okay. Tough luck, mate. <laughs> Keep doing it, because we'll again. listen. <laughs> you, if you only reach one person. like you Yeah, know. exactly. Okay, guys. Well, you know, it's been some time, uh. and the world is in a strange place these days, and thankfully our good friends Tool have returned to the fold <laughs> with a Fear Inoculum. The album's called Fear Inoculum.
That was Invincible by Tool off their first record in 13 years. A lot of talk about this band for quite some time. I, as always, I throw it to my boy, Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> so can you uh, tell us all about Tool, who they are, and is this album significant? Um, it's very significant. Tool are a band that I think emerged from LA in the very early 90s, I think 1990 when they formed. Um and pretty quickly established themselves as a really powerful force for a kind of, you know, prog rock and um, fresh takes on the more classical side of heavy rock at a time and became very big and very respected at a time when it was all about that rap metal and then that new metal. So they're kind of outliers. Um, and the one thing you could say about Tool over the course of their fairly immaculate back catalogue uh, from Undertow, True Anima, uh, Lateralis, and then maybe to a lesser extent, 10,000 Days, their last record, was that uh, what they became kind of, you know, their default mode was being a bit cutting edge, um, trying to kind of confound their audience, but still combining that experimentation with immediate riffs, almost kind of poppy choruses at times, and a lot of emotion. So you can kind of sense why they made it so big. They've been away for a long time. A lot has changed. There's been a lot of kind of side projects and stuff in between. Um, we should mention that last year, <laughs> A Perfect Circle, which is Maynard James Keenan's yeah. primary side project, released a record called Eat the Elephant that I best described as for completists only. And also Craig really... <laughs> for no one. It was the worst <laughs> week of my life. <laughs> it Craig was a real such problem. a struggle listening to that album. Maynard, yeah, he spent his time aside from that album and what's his other side project Pussyfer or something dreadfully Pucifer his other side project lately Pucifer. though his other side project these days is a vineyard Jeez, you need to get I was going to say yeah at. so he's been on his vineyard making wine uh, also being on Joe Rogan and being quite pretentious about oh, yeah. how into jujitsu he's in week, you know so. yeah um, all of which is kind of conspiring to make me less him or like him less than I previously did but all that said, very excited for this new release. Um, I wouldn't say like I'm a rabid fan, but I was like a dormant fan because um, in the lead up to this, obviously, but you, you might have heard that they stuck everything they they previously done on the streaming services. You couldn't kind of um, get, go on Spotify and listen to Tool previously. And there was huge kind of like, people were very excited. Broke Maybe, records, I believe, <laughs> yeah. of, some, of some form. I, mean, I think fandom is a very interesting kind of aspect to yeah. look at it with Tool because... Uh, with this record, I mean, I was away for the weekend, so playing catch-up with an 87-minute album of this kind of dense prog rock is very difficult to do uh, when you're, like, trying to actively listen to something. Dahi has shook his head twice. We'll get to him. And, <laughs> I, and, I, and I've got 87 a... 87 minutes. I've got a feeling. But, uh, so, essentially, yeah, this is... Uh, this, re- <laughs> this, this review should probably come with a disclaimer in as much as, like, how can I possibly unpack this entire album in this, like, four days of listening to it? It's a cliche on no encore, but this is a headphones album. This is one of the most headphones albums I've ever headphones albumed, uh, <laughs> certainly in 2019. A lot of people have have pointed this record and being like, "No, no, you need to like shut off everything." Yeah, to- it's an active listen. It's it more is. than a headphones album. It's, it's an active listen. You got to be listen. studious. It's with like reading this a thing. book or something. I'm like, going to yeah. disagree with all this in a minute. But okay, continue. I'll get there. But what I will say is that like the fandom and the general consensus so far, I'm seeing I'm seeing things swing from one extreme to the other, and there seems to be no in between on this one. Some people, the detractors of this record, have said that it's really, really flat, it's static, it's um, retreading on past glories and just kind of siphoning off the DNA of it without really kind of doing anything new. It doesn't really go anywhere, it's just too much noodling, there's nothing to say anymore. 
etc. Other people, hardcore Tool fans who've been waiting for this day for quite some time, have been like, no, it's just such an amazing force. It's incredible that they're back and they sound unbelievable. We're so into this. And I mean, like, YouTube comments are never a great place to go to, but I was curious what the average Tool on YouTube fan looks like. And there's a fascination there because, I mean, ultimately you see a lot of people kind of posting stuff like, you know, uh, my best friend introduced me to Tool back in the day. He's dead now, and this is like uh, for for me for for me and for me not because you introduced me, but like uh, he's like, don't listen I'm to murdered. this album. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I, I probably could have phrased that better. <laughs> he said, "This is you know, this is for my best friend." Death codes. It's like, but, but it's, it's like a ceremony thing for this person who was like, yes. you know, I'm sitting up tonight and, and like you know, I'm, I'm raising a glass for my, for my friend. I'm listening to this record. Other people are like, you know, it's such a pleasure to be here with all all the rest of you today on like on this incredible day and there's like you know loads of replies people just being like yeah absolutely like we're all in this together this is a huge thing it's a cult like like, like tool fans like, like like they like tool are a band that have been accused of taking themselves too seriously but there's also a lot of ridiculous clowning to the whole thing as well they're a hard band to figure out in one respect in another respect maybe they're, they're not and i think it's whether you think this is fucking incredible or whether you're just totally put off by it it's going to take some time to really come away from this with a definitive opinion. I don't necessarily have one just yet. And I've run the gamut of, no, this is not good, to actually, this is kind of amazing. I'm still not quite sure where I'm going with it. But it's the most unique record I've heard in a while, while also being a Tool album that sounds distinctly Tool. I, I, I looked at fucking, you know, Fantano's review of this, and he bodied it. Pitchfork fucking buried it. Other people are saying it's an absolute masterpiece. They're, Craig, there just seems to be, like, there's a, it's it's really, it feels like My Bloody Valentine's MBV. Oh, really? It's yeah. hardcore, instant, knee-jerk criticism of a record that I think absolutely needs a lot of time. Yeah, of course. Everyone's coming into this with preconceptions, whether it's for or against. I think it's so slap-bang in the middle that it's like, it's just... After seven listens of this 87-minute album, I was left feeling... It it had revealed itself as pleasant to me. It's not a masterpiece. There's some not-great stuff on it. It did feel flat at times to me. It felt like... As I was talking about, you know, what defined Tool was them being kind of cutting edge and pushing things. Now what's defining Tool is sounding like Tool. Like a lot of a lot of these kind of musical movements felt like rethreads of old things you'd heard. You're kind of going, oh yeah, that reminds me of this slightly better track. I thought Maynard felt at times quite divorced from the music. I know he doesn't really have a hand in the music whatsoever. He essentially comes to the guys when they're done, right? And just adds his bits and bobs in. And he sounded like... A lot of vocals sounded like he was lounging on his vineyard. Just like some of that really earth-chattering stuff he's done in the past just wasn't there. And there was... This is a long record and the tracks are very long. And there's tracks that are like 13 minutes and you're waiting for an eruption. You're waiting for a payoff. And it is just noodling. Like for bands that are so... Like their technical mastery is great. The kind of shifts in time signatures... The song shouldn't be this boring, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. a lot of it's it struck me how basic many of these riffs were. I think time and time again, it was kind of Danny Carey on drums that fifty eight years old, by the way. Yeah, and is I mean he's a wizard. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Like if you just took off everything else and listen to him, like that's a good time. Well, the, one of the tracks is almost, almost, <laughs> yeah. basically one of the tracks does that. and then the synths ruin it. Um, what I will, <laughs> one thing I would recommend on this record though is because there's a weird thing that they've done here where. 
there's a, like a CD version or a vinyl version that like has less tracks on it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking I, at the. I the, think it's the interludes the that are gone. So yeah, they've just taken yeah. out the interludes. They've taken out. Uh, that would help. They, I think. It does. They've taken out two They're interludes. They've taken out two interludes, which are shorter, and a coda. So what I've done is I've done a Craig on this, and I and I did a playlist version of this, which I called I think you like this Craig non digitalis. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> right? Fantastic. <laughs> now I'm glad this album exists. <laughs> so I took out I I trimmed the fat, even though there's there's the shortest tracks and uh, chocolate chip trip, trip may very well join them, but I will say when you have that filler gone and you do have this mass of like okay I've got like six or seven like 14 minute tracks in front of me yeah it makes a lot more sense i don't disagree with what you said though now let's throw to a man who uh, all week i was like die's really busy like he's putting <laughs> together you know uh, his, his finishing his album finishing like the, the marketing for the album he's making music videos he's gigging yeah it's fresh yeah, as week I'm just, I'm, I'm more, yeah i was I'm, like i'm surely... more angry about no encore making me listen to this album than i am about two making this i was album like how many honest. okay how many listens have you so did, yeah, did you I was talking about this today. So I've had two active listens and four non-active listens, which is basically just it on repeat in my household for a while. Which Jesus, like have people I, like, been around being like, "What the fuck are you?" Yeah, listening? yeah, yeah, yeah. People are just like, "What is this?" Like it's like so intense. Um, I, I think I, I like so. In general, I wouldn't have been a huge Tool fan. I, I never really, really listened to like a lot of stuff. I've had people play it to me, like. Late night at house parties and stuff me. like that. Like, Play yeah, yeah I'm like, me. listen to this one track. This is fucking amazing, or whatever. So I've, I've gotten a lot of that, but I've never listened to like the full. I've never gotten the full tool experience or whatever. So I'm coming into it fresh, which is, I guess, kind of unique to people who would be listening to this record mm. because it seems very much like a record for tool fans, right? Hundred percent. I think um, so. Yeah. Then some people have said that this could be the starting point. I wouldn't agree. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree either. Um, like I think, I, I from what I can see, it's obviously tool is primarily a group of people who are interlocked and like incredible musicians coming together and that's where the real magic comes from you know I mean it is a metal album and it comes from unique sounds and production and everything but the real magic of Tool is from like the actual instrumentation and how they actually play stuff and I think the major weakest link Craig which which you mentioned was the vocals I think like yeah. a lot of the tracks that I was coming through I was like all of these ideas are great but the this like amazing hook is missing like there's no proper I mean even when you did the breakdown there you said like Tool at points have this like amazing like almost like pop chorus hooks and stuff yeah, and that is actually do stuff to grab on yeah, yeah and it feels so missing from this record it feels really uninspired it feels like the first idea that was put down on the vocals it feels like the most obvious choices a lot of the way through um and I think that's that's a big issue and then like in general the album feels a little bit out of time as well in terms of you know putting it up on Spotify and stuff just doesn't it doesn't lend itself to that type of thing. So at the end of the day, like it just feels really, really out of place and out of time. And it, I, I don't know, it just really, really didn't hit me correctly. Like I would like to listen to it on vinyl and feel the whole thing from start to finish. With a joint. I think they <laughs> yeah. have shot themselves in the foot to some degree because Maynard did an interview there with, uh, I think it was on the Radio and Rock show, BBC. Mm-hmm. And he basically confessed and was like, a lot of the reason why this album has taken so long is because of self-doubt and also maybe believing my own hype so much and kind of just, you know, creating the myth and, you know, like just like being too precious or whatever. And he said at one stage, you know, this album sounded fantastic eight years ago. So I guess the music's been there for quite some time. Yeah. Which kind of supports your point of like it's sounding a little bit kind of stale in a way. But at the same time, 
if this comes out five years after 10,000 Days, where the hype isn't as large, and five years for two albums is a fair enough shake, I think it wouldn't suffer as much. I, I think I, I think nothing they could have done would yeah, possibly well, live up to the intense hype unless you were like walking into this being like, no, no, I'm going to love this. And I, I, there's a lot I really, really, really like about this record. I think Invincible is a fucking amazing song. Like, yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Like Numa's it's, good as well. There's, yeah. there's I moments. like the sending as well. I think it's like Tempest song. is an incredible closer. Like, like I, honestly, like, I think this is going to be one that will not so much reveal you said itself. Tempest is an incredible closer. There's also Mocking Beat is at the end of. This I took it record. off though, man. <laughs> I took it off. Mocking Beat is such a That's waste of time. Gross. I took it off. Took it off. It's That's gone. another thing with the interludes. You know, where previously Tool, you felt like you were on a journey with them, and there's all those. You know, we talk about the fans being so so into what they're doing. You know, the the secret gift or whatever, where Lateralis is like, if you some there's this fan theory where like if you reorder the album in line with the Fibonacci, Fibonacci sequence, sequence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like the greatest album of all time and it suddenly clicks and makes <laughs> sense you like reorder it as like a pair of spirals or some nonsense with this even the interludes they don't really match up or seem to shed new light on what's gone before when you remove them probably not much of a difference and the songs themselves don't seem that interconnected like for the first time for me with Tool it seems like just a collection of tracks they've been working on yeah. probably too much like why why are the interludes in there why, why are they digital I, I, only I feel yeah. like they were concerned that it was getting too samey and redundant like, like do you know what I mean we yeah, need to break this up and, and like you know the very cynical side of me is kind of looking at it as like oh okay well as digital records go, if we have to do a Drake or if we do a fucking Taylor Swift, we have to add more. I mean, tracks it's already it's north of seventy-five minutes. I'd say before it's just yeah. playlist, Joe's <laughs> mixtape. It's fucking rid- like it's ridiculous, and like there, it's really like I mean, you talk about noodling, like the the interludes are the most ridiculous mm. noodling. They're like, so easily disposable, which, which and the, is the, the problem scary is, is that well. as as elements, as stems of a part of a track, they could be fucking amazing. Like you could put certain parts in, especially that um, uh, the Legion in Auckland. Part. Yeah, like if you put that into a track, it could be really interesting. But and then also, I think Chocolate Chip Trip, even though it's not a, an interlude. Like you could have added something really interesting to that instead of, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Another thing is like they always sounded so like tasteful and they were mm. just you knew they had great taste and the records were kind of immaculate. There's some god awful synth sounds on this. It, to me, like yeah. there's not enough kind of tone shifts and things. It's very samey and very grey. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like this to me is Tools' uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In that, <laughs> in that, it's a long it's about male friendship. It's about male bonding. It's a long, and Brad Pitt's fantastic on the album. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I wasn't expecting that, but it's a long meandering hangout. It's not really in search of new land. I think it's kind of like we're here now, and we're just going to kind of mill around in it. And I do have time for that. I absolutely do. I think that, like I say, I mean, getting rid of those interludes helps the album a lot. But yeah, and there are times when I'm listening to it and I've I've tried really hard to actively tune into it um, with fucking great headphones and the phone down or even just walking through the park or walking to work or something. And you do, like you do fall into it, but, I, but I'm not falling into it in the way that I really, like I, I want to fucking destabilize and break yeah. into a million different fucking pieces and, you know, just be like lost to the fucking, just swept away with this whole thing. It doesn't quite do it. I do think it's really, really good. However, what's interesting is when you go back to a track like Vicarious, which is the opening track of 10,000 Days, and 10,000 Days is, it's, it's a revered record, but I think people were it's like, not it's not, to, not yeah. up to the, the highest point of the band's trajectory. 
Vicarious uh, is probably a standout, I guess. But Vicarious was the open track on that record, right? So I threw that on today after listening to this, and oh my god, it's like putting on fucking speed metal. Like, it's so weird. So fast. I, it's so yeah, faster. Because like, I did that today. Fast. I, went, I went back because I was like, I don't know enough about Tool to even compare it and stuff and stuff. But like, there feels like a massive amount of energy farther back. And then I had a thought today as well where I was listening to um, uh, a couple of the tracks from farther back, and they are not as like crystal clear well produced as say this record would be and like that sometimes that's yeah so sometimes sometimes this super clear like the drums are here are so clear that the guitars are like so crystal clear in all the areas sometimes that can like actually set a record back because it doesn't have as much of like a it doesn't feel together as well and stuff yeah i think the overall the sense of mystery with them that kind of drew me in initially is kind of gone whether it be you know maynard just as i guess as a character which is probably not fair to kind of bring to the music although i think lyrically he's probably at his worst here as well like, I, I really I think just, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did it, you think of the... Uh, like the when he's talking the about the warrior past is best and... Yeah. <laughs> but, but I thought there was something kind of beautifully honest about that, no? Oh, I don't know. It that, just that's felt, bullshit. What are you it talking about? It felt like... like oh, he, the, he, did a, he did a bad performance. He didn't do well in this album. But there's something honest yeah, about that. I don't know. And there's still political stuff here. Like there's Trump <laughs> references, but it's all shrouded in like Dungeons and Dragons kind of... You know? No, when he's kind of basically like standing on the cliff face and being like, I'm not relevant anymore. I was like, that's a good admission. No, it's pretty good yeah man it was not, from, from a positive from a positive like one of the more positive things that I got from it as well which uh, is they do a really really amazing job at points of you basically they, they build up an area and just basically wash you in atmosphere with guitars and stuff like that and then suddenly it'll all crystallise and come really really clear and then suddenly it's like very very two very clear ideas that are stuck completely together and that like release and, and pull back of tension is like probably the best stuff and you can see that a lot in, in certain parts of metal and stuff and the production that they put around it like the different sounds and stuff really really adds to that in its best points yeah like where, where once they were they remind me at times of the likes of Sabbath and sometimes Deep Purple and then the progier stuff of Jethro's heavier things and, and mm. yes and doing quite dynamic things this feels way more like ambient kind of post-rock rather than any heavy metal doesn't yeah, it? it's yeah. like it's, it's not. It's not that heavy at all. No. And it's actually quite slower than. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, yeah, Vicar- <laughs> the, thing, the thing about Vicarious is Vicarious is not a fast song, but by comparison to these, it's like it's like speeding away from you, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, I think it's like a garden hedge maze in that I really, really wish I got lost and I needed to be fucking like someone needed to come and save me, but instead I got out in five <laughs> the seconds. Hedge is too small and you can see over the top. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's 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 really strange. Look, I, I the, there's an awful lot on this. I really, really like. I am going to keep listening to it. I don't think. It's going to reveal too much more. I agree with Craig. I think Craig nailed it when he said the mystery is gone. Hmm. But still, I really like it. I have a lot of time for it. And I'm going to be its friend and give it seven, <laughs> seven out of ten. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a five, a straight five for me. Um, there's Numa I really like. Descending's not bad. Invincible's fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep coming back to it maybe a few times and see if it clicks. But I don't think it will. I, I, I thought, sorry, I thought you would have been all about this because, like, you know, meditation, man. Yeah, I mean, it's no Moby's fucking long ambient listens. <laughs> uh, I think um, I think this could have been a really, really great album if the weakest link was stronger. So, like, basically, if this had some really amazing vocal hooks and stuff, I think it would it would put the rest of the track in focus and give yeah, a bit of, like, anchor. Um, so that's missing, and uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I might, and I don't really think I could recommend it to anybody, so I'm giving it a 
four. We'll reconvene in 13 years when there's another two album out and see if they got it better this time. Uh, uh, This episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Eve Murray. In the other listening corner, I've found it very hard to find the time this week for an album that people are fucking raving about. I really love it. 9.4 on Pitchfork to Tools 5.4, proving Craig right from last week yet again. Uh, Lana Del Rey's Norman fucking Rockwell. It seems that everyone I've spoken to or seen on Twitter is just gushing and raving about this record. I'm going to have a listen to it. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm excited. I've given it one full listen start to finish and kind of a couple of like because it is also like an hour north of an hour long album it's quite a long one uh, my first impressions are very strong it's very luxuriant mm. it sounds excellent she sounds great people are great people are, are calling this her masterpiece yeah I've been using it as a kind of tool palate cleanser <laughs> just in between <laughs> like when I'm working just trying to get it in and in so, any minute that you're not listening to tool because it's eight <laughs> fucking seven minutes long um, it, yeah it sounds great just from kind of um, rudimentary listens but it's I think it's addressing some of the things we picked up that were some of the very few things that we didn't like about the last record in terms of maybe giving too many nods to prevailing musical trends and having rap features and not concentrating enough on the kind of the really opulent old school mm. songwriting and that kind of sound which I think she's just really leaned into here um, so yeah I think she's just addressed all the slight flaws of the last one and come out with something even better I think it's it's fantastic well yeah. she's addressed her own flaws in a way that I found very disagreeable on Twitter um, uh, the NPR review of this was written by a journalist called Anne Powers the review itself is about as long as the Tool album um, I, thought it, <laughs> I thought it was very considered quite well written um, also extremely praiseful very positive and very kind of like you know enamored by the subject but also kind of you know just throwing the odd criticism in there that you may or may not agree with I'm not saying I agree with everything that she said but I thought it was a really fucking considered review smash cut to the journalist tweeting it out on Twitter now she did at Lana Del Rey in but there was no negativity Lana Del Rey on Twitter responded to the journalist and said here's a little side note on your piece I don't even relate to one observation you made about the music. There's nothing uncooked about me. To write about me is nothing like it is to be with me. Never had a persona, never needed one, never will. And then followed up and said, so don't call yourself a fan like you did in the article and don't count your editor as one either. I may never, never have made bold political or cultural statements before because my gift is the warmth I live my life with and the self-reflection I share generously and I guess her fucking stands on Twitter decided to really like take that last bit to heart because holy fuck the yeah. replies this journalist has been bullied off Twitter I was gonna say all these toxic pricks with Lana Del Rey photographs of their avatars and no real information about who they actually are saying, Russian bots saying stuff <laughs> saying, saying stuff in block capitals like end her end her queen end her career drag her yes Lana yes you did it yay over and over and over again and increasingly toxic and increasingly vicious. Lana Del Rey will address that because that's fucking... It's the yeah. kind of stuff that drives people. It's a, it sounds it's like Lana Del Rey responded with, like, as a snap decision and then oh, yeah, without didn't consideration think of the consequences to of, the, like, the thing. Yeah, the fucking... Because it's a scary thing. The whole look, thing where you have, like, this legion of really, yeah, really scary. Like. But whether she meant to do it or not, she did it. And she opened the floodgates there, and I think it's fucking disgusting. I think that artists, especially one like Lana Del Rey, who is an intellectual, she's like we're always told that she's so intelligent, yeah. she's all this kind of stuff, and I believe that she is these things. Surely has enough knowledge to understand what will happen. Uh, she has like, well, if she she, she has nine point five million yeah, followers yeah, yeah. on Twitter. Hope, hopefully, she'll come back around. And like, I'd say, she, I, yeah, I'd be very surprised and disappointed if she didn't. But it's like, a really horrible reflection of this thing now. And like we talked about it with Taylor Swift last week to some degree. Yeah. And I know it isn't going away. It's only getting worse. It's fascinating in a way and absolutely fucking vile in it's another. Terrifying. And I can't fathom this, especially when the review was extremely positive. This is Lizzo all over again, but much worse times ten. They're not even reading the review. Like, of course they're not. Do you know no, what I mean? No, no. It's just this weird avalanche on. on and that's almost media. the entertainment that they're getting out. 
out of it. It's not about defending anybody. The frightening it's, thing, it's an entertainment but the frightening thing is is the speed of it and the mutation of it, where like it's just this huge, uncontrollable thing. And I don't understand because you know, surely the people who are doing this have enough fucking knowledge to know that what they're doing is aggressive and abusive and awful and surely against the message of unity that your fucking number one queen is supposedly putting out in her music yeah. you're not supporting anyone by doing this you're not supporting you know the person that you fucking stand for the most and all you're doing is making society melt even further i think it's disgusting i think it's awful and i wish that land Ray had more fucking cop on especially off the back of what is apparently an incredible record yeah, I yeah. As again, I just reckon it was something struck a nerve. I, like I, I do think it comes back to her. She also has the right. She's the right to engage with the critic, of course. She totally does. And but I think it's it's not even a case of like the Lizzo thing where it's like, how dare you review my album without being a musician? I think it's all around the question mark over persona or her being fake or like mm. I think that really rubs her the wrong way. Quite rightly, I guess at times. Yeah. So that probably just like she saw red in the moment and hopefully yeah. she literally and yeah so obviously there's like a, there's a right to reply but the responsibility of having a massive yeah, amount of people it's a it's a responsibility based around like okay there's obviously all these people who i don't have any control of but i know that if i do a certain thing or yeah. point the spotlight in a certain direction something bad is going to happen to that person and Terr- that's that's terrifying. the problem i've also been listening to the strokes because they were so good electric picnic it's been very we enjoyable stand. to go back <laughs> <laughs> We have to stand. <laughs> uh, and I've been listening to the SLP, which is Surge from Kasabian's debut solo record, because wow. I was supposed to interview him, but it hasn't happened yet. Oh, he's really nice. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. yeah. Um, um, how's the album? It's not bad. It's 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 not too far away from Kasabian. The opening track is like a Bond theme, uh, and then it's just like him kind of doing other stuff. And at one point I was like, that sounds a lot like Tom Mahon. Is he on this record, probably? Uh, it's psychedelic, as you might expect. It's it's what you'd expect a Serge Persona solo album to be, but it's definitely accomplished and yeah. interesting, and I didn't dislike it. I remember, I remember chatting to him, and I was commiserating with him over, like, Leicester, because he sports Leicester at the time. And he was commiserating with me on Ferguson retiring. That's how long ago it was. And he's like, I'm sure you'll be all right. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> In the interim, Leicester win the league <laughs> and United have fallen apart. But he was very nice. You got the Pizzorno kiss of death. Okay. <laughs> and I've also listened to Without Fear, which is the debut album from Dermot Kennedy, which arrives in a few weeks' time. Great. Dahi, what have you been listening to? Uh, the new Fortet uh, three-track kind of EP single yeah, thing, like which that. is really, really nice. And if you're in to the old dance music you should check it out it's great um, yeah I've been listening to Lana a lot of Tool um, it says lo- <laughs> here Yandy but that couldn't be <laughs> yeah so you know the way the leak is up on YouTube and it hasn't been taken down for like weeks I did not know this yeah no. there's 30 really? minutes of yeah well it's not it's like it's kind of got guide vocals but a lot of the production sounds about there I think Pusha T was like, don't listen to it because, you know, blah, blah, blah. We should we clarify, last week after we left the studio, Kim Kardashian West went on Twitter yeah. and said on the September the 27th, the same day as Dermot Kennedy's album and Girl Band's album, by the way, yeah. throwing both sets of fans into consternation, <laughs> I would assume, uh, Jesus is King is coming out. We don't know if it's Which a Kanye West album, but we assume it is. It's going to be, I guess, completely Gospel different record. to what Yandy would have sounded like. But there's one track which I would suggest people check out, Chakras, which could be a Kanye all-timer if he just added proper <sighs> vocals. It's incredible. Um, and I was I was listening to Electric Youth's new album, uh, Memory Emotion, which is great. So check that out if you like the Drive soundtrack. All right. Uh, Exit Music this week. 
comes from Inhaler, who I saw at Electric Picnic. Hot Young Hopefuls with with musical royalty connections that they may or may not shake off. But uh, this is their new track. It's called Ice Cream Sunday. And I'll let you see what you think for yourselves, guys. My name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Inhaler with Ice Cream Sunday.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.